are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, happy crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, thrilled to team up with Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. Brian, We've got the NFC West Battle Royale. Winner takes the division coming up here in Week 17. Both teams have to be fired up for the opportunity. Obviously, Seattle coming off a really disappointing performance against the Cardinals. The 49ers had a similar performance two weeks ago against the Falcons. So both these teams have had letdowns recently, but this is the biggest game of the year on the biggest stage in prime time. It's going to be such a fun matchup. I, I can't wait for this one. And this is the way it should be. Week 17, and the schedule makers got this one right. They even flexed it to prime time for everybody. So game 256 on the season schedule, the last NFL regular season game, is for the West and for some major seeding in the NFC to go along with it. Potentially one seed for the 49ers. They could be the five seed. Uh, and if there's a tie, the Niners could be the three seed, but still win the West and the Seahawks would be a five seed. So there, there's a lot at stake here. It should be a super fun matchup and uh, some key players that are much different that will be on the field that were not the last time these two teams met. Yeah, it's crazy. These teams actually met in week 10, so it hasn't been that long ago, but this just tells you how much teams can change. Even, you know, in just a five, six week span, the Seahawks have had a bunch of injuries. The 49ers have had a bunch of injuries. The Seahawks, especially in their backfield, they don't have Rashad Penny. He's out with a torn ACL. Chris Carson suffers a hip injury. He's done for the season. CJ Procise has a broken arm, so he's done. All their top three running backs are out, and luckily for them, Marshawn Lynch decided he wanted to play football again. And, you know, you don't normally have a player of that caliber entering week 17 that just decides, hey, I want to play. But it sounds like he has been working on this for a while, hoping the situation was going to present itself. And I think the Seahawks were discussing some things with him when Rashad Penny got hurt. I don't think this just came on a whim with Carson getting injured. I think the Seahawks were certainly interested. And based on the tape that I've watched, it's been a year since he's played in a football game. He is 33. One year can be a huge difference maker, especially for running back. But this is still a very bruising runner, very physical runner. Still has enough speed. He broke a 58-yard run last year against the Cleveland Browns. So I think he's still a guy that can come in and be effective. They're not looking for him to be the bell cow, but certainly that'll be good for the Seahawks to have him in the backfield along with rookie Travis Homer. They also signed Robert Turbin. So a totally different-looking backfield than the one they had the last time they played against the 49ers in Santa Clara. And the rest of the team's got a bunch of injuries, too. They're not going to have Dwayne Brown in this game. He just had a minor knee operation. So the 49ers' front line will talk about this later in the show I'm sure they're drooling about this matchup now going against backup tackle Jamarco Jones Jadevian Clowney just said he is going to play on Sunday so the Seahawks will have him back he had his best game of the season the first matchup between these two teams really the big x factor here is Quandre Diggs going to be able to play the Seahawks starting free safety they have been a totally different defense when he has been on the field than when he hasn't been he's missed the last one and a half games, he came out in the third quarter against the Panthers, and they've looked like a totally different defense and not in a good way since he came out. He had an interception in that game against the 49ers. They desperately need him to come back healthy, but they've also got to be careful because both these teams are in the playoffs, 
and you don't want Diggs to come out at like 60% and then re-aggravate, and then you don't have him at all in the playoffs. So that's what makes this interesting. This game is, is so important for both teams, but yet they're both in the playoffs. you got to be careful with those injured guys. I know the 49ers have some similar situations they're dealing with. Yeah, a ton of, ton of injuries on both sides for these two teams, which makes things interesting from a matchup standpoint because last time it was Joe Staley who was banged up going against a full go clowny, and that did not turn out well for the 49ers. Staley now has been sort of the, the, the rock-solid guy that you would expect that he would be after he had another finger injury after going against Clowney. came back as more healthy top to bottom, I think, and now Clowney's the one that's banged up there. You mentioned the, the offensive line and the running back situation for Marshawn Lynch. By the way, Marshawn Lynch, I, I saw a couple of workouts from him, and it's ironic that he was secretly working out in San Francisco to get ready to play against the 49ers for the last few weeks that we learned. And he's, I mean, he was not the 220-pound back that I think we saw coming out of school, but he looked like he's got some size to him, so he's not svelte or anything like that. And I wonder what what he's going to be able to do. That's going to be so interesting to me to see how much they use him because talent-wise, you know, he did play not that long ago. Maybe he's got fresh legs. Maybe that helps him. How much of the the playbook can he know? So is he going to be a package player? Or are they just going to throw him on the field and say go to town and, and just try to use that uh, that talent that he has and say, let's go for it. And so uh, there, this thing could go so many different directions, and it's going to be super interesting. On the 49ers side, they are still pretty banged up, not going to have D Ford to take advantage of that banged up Seattle Seahawks offense, but they do have still, you know, it's the 49ers are lucky that they can have some injuries and they can miss some guys on the defensive line and still have Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, which a lot of teams don't even start out with that much talent. So I think that's an advantage for the 49ers in this one. But it should be a fun game, and they're they're banged up, and it's going to look a lot different. You mentioned how Kittle wasn't on the field before, Emmanuel Sanders. So it's going to be a fun one, and the matchup is going to look completely different than it did just uh, you know six weeks ago. Yeah, and the Seahawks are playing at home, which ironically has not been an advantage for them this year. Three of their four losses have come at CenturyLink, so there have been some fans out there like, maybe we want to be a wild card, in which I say that's a blasphemy. I don't know why you would why you would be saying such a thing, <laughs> but uh, the numbers indicate the Seahawks have been better away from CenturyLink this year, so I'm really curious to see how the Seahawks come out and play. Marshawn Lynch, another reason to bring him in, bring some energy to that crowd. I can guarantee that crowd's going to erupt when he is in introduced. I, the, the defense is supposed to be the side that's introduced for this game, but it sounds like K.J. Wright is pushing for the Seahawks to have the offensive side of the ball be the one that gets introduced so that Marshawn Lynch can be introduced to the crowd. I think it's going to be quite the atmosphere. Now the question is, are the Seahawks going to be able to take advantage of it? Because they just have not played well in front of their home fans this year. We're going to look at a lot of specific matchups here coming up in the second quarter. We're going to start with the Seahawks on offense. Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch and company going again to Forrest Buckner and that very talented 49ers defense. We'll be right back here on Crossover Thursday on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams, passion, moments. Some great George Kittle designs on there. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Great for all fans. Search the site for all of their shirts and fun sports gifts. 
And we're back. Happy Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, teaming up with Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. Got this huge matchup coming up in Week 17 between the 11-4 Seahawks and the 12-3 49ers. The NFC West title up for grabs. The winner wins the division. The loser has to go on the road as a wild card team and play the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys. So ton at stake in this game. Let's start off talking offense for the Seahawks against the 49ers defense. And obviously last game, the 49ers came out pretty pretty fast. They were coming after Russell Wilson. He got hit a bunch early in the game. Wilson didn't have a great game by his standards. And... Two of the big first downs they got in that first matchup were by Josh Gordon, who is not going to be playing in this game. He was suspended last week. He's done for the season. So the Seahawks, their passing game has kind of been a wounded duck recently. They've really struggled to move the ball through the air. On the flip side, though, Brian, the 49ers defense, as of late, they have not been as good the last four or five games as what they were early in the season either. So it's kind of an interesting matchup looking at a a Seahawks passing game that was performing at such a high level. 49ers pass defense that was doing so well. And, And then in recent games, both of those units have kind of struggled a little bit going into this big matchup. Yeah, it's amazing because right around the time the Seahawks played the 49ers last time is when the hype train for Russell Wilson's MVP run started to die down a little bit. And that was met with, you know, Lamar Jackson doing all the things he's doing and has locked up that award, I think. And I think last week, if I'm not mistaken, it was last week and the game against the 49ers were Russell Wilson's two worst statistic games on the season. But since then, I mean, they did a number on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but after that, the 49ers defense uh, hasn't been as good, and I think part of that is the injuries that they've dealt with. They've got a rookie outside linebacker on both sides, Jaquaski Tard, who's been actually quite a a big player to miss on defense, and I think going into the season, I thought maybe someone like Joe Staley would be the, the player that would hurt the 49ers the most if you were looking ahead at what player can you not afford to lose. And it turned out the biggest loss so far has been Jaquaski Tart at strong safety because he's such a big, fast player and he's good at the line of scrimmage. He's good in run support and he's athletic enough to even play single high safety if he has to. And we've seen a big drop off to Marcel Harris there. And so that'll be key if they can get if they can get Tart on the field. And it's looking like he's inching toward being able to play this weekend. So that'll be an interesting one. They don't have D Ford, as I mentioned before, uh, but they're pretty well. Uh, healthy in the rest of the secondary should have Witherspoon and Mosley and Kwan Williams and of course Richard Sherman out there along with the uh, free safety Jimmy Ward. So the rest of the secondary is strong. If they can get Jaquaski Tart back, that will obviously help. And then uh, the front seven banged up as we have already mentioned here on the show. But I-, I think that 49ers pass rush is kind of due because Pro Football Focus just uh, I just saw a tweet from Pro Football Focus a couple days ago that talked about Nick Bosa having the most pressures of any rookie they have graded since uh, they started doing uh, what I think goes back to 2006. Now data does for pro football focus. So he's got the most pressures with 69 so far this season. So it's not all about just sacks for the 49ers defense. They get pressures and they, they, they force some quarterbacks into mistakes. And I think they have to get back to that. And I think you'll see a lot of blitzes as well to go along with that, not only to get after Russell Wilson and and pressure him, but to cut down his rushing lanes and give him fewer escape routes and get to him quick rather than 
sort of playing that read and react sort of rush with four guys and letting him find where he wants to go and and create with his legs. So that's what I expect to see on defense from the 49ers. And we'll see if it works. And and one thing I want to ask you about that Seahawks offense against the 49ers defense, we had talked already about how Marshawn Lynch, it's, it's unclear how he's going to be incorporated into the offense and how much he can be utilized, both from just, you know, how, how in shape he is and in football shape and how much his legs can handle, but also mentally how prepared he will be with a playbook because he, when he last played, it wasn't with this playbook and it wasn't in Seattle. Although I have a feeling he'll be able to grasp enough if they need him to be out there often. Uh, but my question is, and and actually my fear when I first heard about these injuries from the Seahawks running game, knowing how much the Seahawks run the ball, I, I think it's like maybe the Seahawks will be forced to just let Russell Wilson run the show. Let Russell Wilson be be the engine that pulls the train. And that almost scares me because just like let Russell Wilson throw it 50 times and see what happens. And and that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and the best player on the Seahawks football team. That's almost a frightening thought that I want to get your opinion on that. Is that something that could actually even benefit the Seahawks potentially being like, Oh yeah, we've got this great quarterback. Maybe we should use him even more. See, I'm going to completely refute that. Here's why you shouldn't be scared about that. Not because Wilson couldn't be capable of doing that, but the offensive line for the Seahawks right now, you're missing your best lineman in Dwayne Brown, and he's protecting the blind side. You've got Jamarco Jones, an unproven second-year player that, that looked decent when he played guard a couple games this year, but he's naturally a tackle, and Chandler Jones is a monster. So I'm not going to put too much stock in how he played last week. That was a really tough matchup for him. A couple of the sacks that Chandler Jones had, Russell Wilson really ran into them more than Jamarco Jones getting beat. So I don't think he was quite as bad as what the numbers are going to dictate had certainly some bad reps on film but you look at the rest of the offensive line they've been without Justin Britt for quite some time now Joey Hunt was already in the lineup the first time these teams played so he's already been out there but he's dealing with a fibula injury of his own so he's not even close to being 100% I I think it sounds like he's gonna be able to play but they got Ethan Posick who came back from injury reserve a couple weeks ago if Hunt starts off this game rough, I could see Ethan Posick getting put in the lineup. He was naturally a center at LSU. He's played mostly guard in the NFL, but center is his natural position, and he's a bigger player. I actually wonder if he might be a better matchup in this game against the 49ers, but this is a front line. Mike Pot has been banged up as he's been for several years. He's managed to play most of Seattle's games this year, but he's been dealing with a couple minor injuries. DJ Fluker's actually been pretty healthy for the most part since he missed a couple games earlier in the year. And on the other side, Jermaine Effetti's kind of had a rough few weeks. I thought he had a decent season going. He struggled a little bit. So this line has picked the wrong time to not be playing well the past couple weeks. They did okay against Carolina, and Carolina still got some decent edge rushers. So that was a decent evaluation. But uh, Dwayne Brown played in that game, and they didn't have him this past weekend. So I don't think going into this game and thinking, well, the best way to beat the 49ers is to throw it 45, 50 times. With the pass rush they've got in Seattle's front line, no way. So that's where the question really comes into. (laughs) Is Seattle going to be able to run the ball effective enough that they can still do things the way they want to do it offensively, get the play action game going, try to slow down that pass rush for the 49ers a little bit. And you can expect, as you mentioned, they're going to blitz a little bit more, especially with how much success the Arizona Cardinals had. And again, that's a string thing to 
to say because Russell Wilson's normally really effective against the blitz, but he was flustered last weekend by what Arizona was bringing at him. I'm anticipating Seattle's going to make the adjustments they need to, but this is not a game that you're going to go into. For those 49ers fans, it might be like, oh my God, this this means Russell Wilson for throw, will throw for 5,000 yards. That usually <laughs> is not a good strategy with the offensive line that they've got to just say, oh, we're going to let Russell just drop back 50 times. That doesn't normally end well, so I expect Marshawn Lynch is going to get his carries. They like Travis Homer, the sixth round rookie that got a lot of carries last week. They said they're going to lean on him because he's been here the entire season. He's an explosive, hard running kid. And they like Robert Turbin, the other veteran they brought in. So I don't think they're just going to suddenly change to becoming a air it out passing attack team. And I actually think running the ball against San Francisco is a little bit more viable of a, of a game plan than coming out and saying, we're just going to chuck the ball over the yard. They, they should be able to throw the ball some given what the 49ers have done recently but I'm thinking this is a game that I don't know how the 49ers are looking at it, but I'm hoping Seattle wants to do that because it lets my pass rushers really get after Russell Wilson. I like my advantage against that line. If they're able to get the run game going, I don't necessarily, even at his age, I don't like the idea of having to tackle Marshawn Lynch 15 times either. Right. Yeah, and even with, I mean, you have to try to run the ball. You have to try to put Russell Wilson in easier down and distance situations, at least early in the game. And then if it starts to get out of hand and you find out you can't run the ball, you have that guy that you can lean on and just say, all right, well, you have to go win it for us now, Russell Wilson. But I'm with you. I think that's smart. And and the way you broke it down makes a lot of sense to me. Um, When it comes to the Seattle offense, Jacob Hollister had a nice game last time. And that's one of the places that that teams have been trying to attack the 49ers, especially while Jaquaski Tart was out. And going after the strong safety, going after the the rookie outside linebackers, is he a player that you expect to have a, a big game in here and, and be a big part of that Seattle offense? How do you envision that Seattle offense looking? Travis Homer getting the start, do you think they will stick with that or, or try to move pieces around, get Hollister in there and get those two veterans that they brought in in the game earlier, just use them in a, in a more breaking case of emergency sort of a, a phase? So I don't have any, I don't have a source on this. I can't say that I know this definitively, but I would be surprised if they don't start Marshawn Lynch, to be honest with you, uh, at oh. least so he can get introduced to the crowd. Okay. I, I, maybe Travis Homer is going to be the guy that get most of the reps, but I would not be surprised to see Marshawn Lynch. And there's a lot of discussion. You mentioned it earlier, you know, trying to learn the offense. There's some different terminology, but as Pete Carroll said, this is really in a nutshell, a very similar offense to the one that he was in. Uh, when Daryl Bevel was running the show. There's, like I said, different terminology he's got to get down. But from everything that I'm hearing from other players and from coaches, it sounds like he's completely ready to go. He's going to pick this stuff up quickly. And if there's a position that you can come back this late in the season and really get the playbook down this quickly, running back is a good spot to do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if Marshawn, actually, like I said, I'd be more surprised if he's not the starting running back out there on Sunday night and they're giving the ball a decent amount of times. They're not going to give it to him 25 times, but I could see him getting 10 to 12 carries. Travis Homer is going to get 10, 12 carries, and they're going to still run the ball. Turbin might get a handful of opportunities as well. They're going to get those guys the football. So Looking at the passing game, your original question, I do think Hollister is going to have to be a factor, especially with Josh Gordon now not here. The Seahawks still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but 
Uh, Metcalf had a decent game against the 49ers last time. Tyler Lockett, coming back from his injury that he suffered in that first 49ers game, was looking better, and then last weekend just couldn't get anything going. Wilson was struggling to get the ball to him, but I do think Jacob Hollister is going to have to be a big part of their game plan passing the football, uh, in large part because you mentioned it, it's been an area of struggle for the 49ers. I feel like if you're game planning correctly, he needs to be a guy that's getting the football a fair amount in this game, but like I said, I still think it comes down to can Seattle run the ball? Are they going to be able to get that play action passing game going? Because if they're having to drop back on second and third and long situations consistently, uh, maybe they can pass more on first down. I'd like that more aggression early, but you don't want to be behind the sticks against this 49ers defense, or it is going to be a really long night for Russell Wilson and company. They, they've got to do a better job staying on schedule with what they want to do offensively. If they don't, I know the 49ers pass rushers I mentioned this earlier, they are going to be licking their lips. When we come back here in the third quarter here on our Crossover Thursday episode, we're going to switch gears. 49ers offense, they've been putting a lot of points on the board, a lot of weapons. They're going to have some guys back for this game they didn't have the first time they played the Seahawks. We'll look at them against the Seahawks defense. We'll be right back. Are you the type of football fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because... They let you turn all of your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, start of the college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get on the action with my bookie. You might have some 49ers games to bet on coming up in January as well. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you have a couple of good games that you really have a good feel on, play them together. Bet multiple games at once for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in on the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, get an extra thousand in free money to play with just use promo code locked on to activate the offer once again that's promo code locked on to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign up offer visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid Welcome back to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks alongside Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. Second quarter, we looked at the Seahawks offense going against the 49ers defense. Now we're going to discuss... The 49ers surging offense, I think they're playing outstanding right now. Jimmy Garoppolo's looked really good ever since that Week 10 matchup where he probably could have thrown four or five interceptions. The Seahawks dropped several of those. One of them was called back by penalty. The Seahawks were frustrating him a bit, but it seems like he's really turned the corner since that game. Looking at his progress as the season has gone gone on and winded down here, where would you put his progression compared to even Week 10 looking at this Week 17 matchup and how he stacks up, especially with George Kittle coming back against a Seahawks defense that has reverted in a bad way the last few weeks. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo has continued to progress under Kyle Shanahan, and it's I've talked about how there's some parallels with Jimmy Garoppolo and with Matt Ryan in Atlanta underneath Kyle Shanahan, and Matt Ryan's first year was you know sort of pedestrian with Kyle Shanahan, and it was good but not great, and then they blew up in that second year together, and they had only hit that point this year for Jimmy Garoppolo 
sort of turning the corner into his second year truly under Shanahan because he was uh, he was traded, what, late 2017, didn't really get the full playbook there. So he got his first offseason with Shanahan going into 2018, then in week three, lost the rest of the season to ACL. So he was there mentally, you know, probably could take some mental reps and, and get in the playbook a little bit, but couldn't take any physical reps the rest of the year. So it was really not until this season did he have his first full offseason into the regular season under Kyle Shanahan. And we're seeing the growth there because of that. And we're seeing those reps. And so we're seeing him sort of take off and we're seeing that offense definitely get better and better almost on a weekly basis for the most part under Kyle Shanahan. And they've been way better in the second half and they've needed to score more points. You saw that game against the Saints, which is one of the best games I've seen this year in 48 to 46 and, and just seeing a slugfest between Garoppolo hanging in there and beating Drew Brees in New Orleans. And that was, I think, a really, really big one for people on the national landscape and even locally to be like, okay, this is what we thought it might look like for Kyle Shanahan under Jimmy Garoppolo. And now we're start, we're start, we're starting to see that. So consistency, I think, will continue to get better. But Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely progressing under Kyle Shanahan. And I think one of the keys here to this team and this game, and I talked about it earlier this week, we gave our season awards away for 49ers, and far and away the MVP for the 49ers team is, is George Kittle, and he impacts every play in the run game. He's such a great blocker in the pass game. Not only can he make plays himself, run after the catch, get open, he you have to pay attention to him, so he creates openings for other players as well in the passing game. So one aspect of this game that I think is much different, and I've talked about this as well, saying I would rather, if I'm the 49ers, I would rather play in Seattle with George Kittle and with Emmanuel Sanders, who they also didn't have last time these two teams met, than play at home without those guys when we saw the 49ers lose in overtime by three. So I think that that's maybe something that the that the the sports books and Vegas is seeing as well because I was kind of surprised to see the 49ers and they're actually climbing or favored by three and a half points now. And I think that is probably the reason why to go along with all the injuries that the Seahawks have seen recently. So that 49ers offense is just completely different with both George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders who they did not have. And that's, I think, the biggest reason why the 49ers are going to be much better in this matchup going against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm really curious what the Seahawks are going to do defensively to try to cover George Kittle because you you mentioned it. He's such an athletic tight end, big-bodied, great runner after the catch, just bulldozes people. He's an outstanding blocker. I mean, in my opinion, he is the best tight end right now all around in the NFL, and he did not play in that first matchup. So, of course, naturally... After I did a lot of my post-game articles, I was getting plenty of tweets from 49ers fans saying, oh, if we had Kittle, we would have won this game. And, and of course, now the Seahawks have a bunch of injuries, so 49ers fans are going to be like, oh, you guys have injuries too. You know how this goes. But right. uh, I look at the Seahawks defensively right now. What, what they're going to have to try to figure out, last year when they played in San Francisco uh, towards the end of the year, they lost that game. But I remember that they had Lano Hill playing a lot of coverage snaps against uh, George Kittle, and he actually did fairly well. He had a couple pass breakups against him. He had one. He had a third one he should have gotten. They called a pass interference on him, which I to this day don't know why they called pass interference. He didn't look like he even touched George Kittle, but uh, it's you, you, you know you sneeze on somebody's days, they're going to call something. But uh, I really liked that matchup last year. The problem they've got is Lano Hill's been playing free safety for Quandre Diggs the past couple of games. 
And if Quandre Diggs isn't able to play this weekend, uh, I don't know if they're going to consider putting Marquise Blair, the rookie, against him. I mean, it feels like to me they're going to have to have a bigger body defensive back against him because you can't put a linebacker on him. George Kittle is just going to run all around a linebacker. And you can't put a cornerback on him because he's way too big. It's a major mismatch from a size standpoint. So uh, I think their best way to go at him is trying to use one of those bigger bodied safeties that's athletic enough to, to cover him and maybe has just enough size that it's not a complete mismatch. Uh, but their hands might be tied a little bit just because of who's available and where they have players playing at. I think the good news, though, Going into this game, if you're a Seahawks fan, you do get Jadevian Clowney back for this game, and he had an incredible performance against San Francisco last time, and he was playing injured for a good portion of that game, uh, but adrenaline kicked in, so he was able to get through it. Uh, if he's playing at 80% or so in this game, I think he's still going to be a big, a very impactful player on that pass rush. They absolutely have to get him back. Ziggy Anza will be in the second game back from a stinger. They're going to have Jaron Reed and Puna, Puna Ford both there in the middle. Both those guys had big games. So I'm really curious. I know Joe Staley's healthier now. He's had several games under his belt. I'm curious if Seattle can replicate, especially with their home crowd behind them, the pass rush, the pressure they were able to generate. Because I still feel like if there's one area Jimmy Garoppolo has struggled, it's when he gets pressure on him. He he definitely can hear footsteps, and that impacts his accuracy and his decision-making. If the Seahawks are able to replicate that, their pass rush has kind of disappeared the last three or four games. You get Clowney back, though, that could be a huge difference maker for them. They're able to get pressure on him early. I could see that being a big difference maker, especially playing at home. Yeah, that's an interesting one with the the Clowney versus Staley matchup. And I have a feeling Staley's going to be a much different player than Clowney saw last time. And my question there is what Clowney is going to look like if he's, you know, hurt worse. It didn't sound like he would play if this wasn't such an important game. That's the vibe I got from from Clowney so far this week from the reports we've seen. So will he be that same guy? and Will he have that impact? I'm not sure. But I think you mentioned it with Jerron Reed and um, and Puna Ford. Those guys inside are are trouble and they are, are they're tough to deal with. And the 49ers now are without their starting start, uh, starting center and guard. So that's where I have the biggest worry, I think, for the 49ers offense is right up the middle with those guys that are so powerful and can get under people. And now you've got Ben Garland in center and you've got Daniel Brunskill, who's filled in nicely at a bunch of different spots on the offensive line for the 49ers. But you don't have your starters at center and guard and inside is where you can really, I think, cause some problems for the 49ers passing game and, and get in Jimmy Garoppolo's face and that so that that's definitely one of the key matchups and one other question I had for you is Bobby Wagner I saw Kenyon Drake run all over the Seattle Seahawks defense which was surprising I know Wagner had an ankle injury but it, it didn't seem like it was something that was going to hamper him was that a problem is is he not playing at 100% right now or what's going on with that Seattle defense last week so I looked back at the film, and I don't think he did anything wrong on the 80-yard touchdown run they gave it to Kenyon Drake. There were some issues with gap assignments with their defensive line. I think K.J. Wright took a bad angle at the other linebacker spot and ended up giving a huge running lane for Kenyon Drake. But I actually thought Bobby Wagner played pretty well this past week, and he was one of the few bright spots. Now, he has given up a ton of receiving yards this season. So, of course, I've had plenty of Seahawks fans sending me tweets that Bobby Wagner is washed up. I think a lot of it is scheme though. They're playing a lot more cover two this year. He's been put in a lot more positions where 
quick receptions have been made against him. And so, yeah, he's missed some tackles this year. He's looked human in some regard. But I actually thought he was moving pretty well in this game. He made a couple really nice plays in the first half. One of them, he went out and absolutely blew up a bubble screen. So I thought he was moving around fairly well in this game. I think they had a lot of other concerns in this particular game. I thought cornerback Trey Flowers played terribly. I thought the safeties were taking really bad angles on tackle attempts. The front line not handling run fits, especially. I'm not going to pick on him too much, but Rasheem Green was one that certainly looked like he had the wrong run fit and didn't hold his gap on that 80-yard touchdown run. So uh, there's a lot of talk about Bobby Wagner right now. I think he's going to be good to go going into this game. He was moving just fine. He had 13 tackles. Uh, I think they had a lot of other players that you can point to that were bigger issues defending the run than what he was. Didn't play perfect, obviously. There were some bad plays, but uh, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm not worried about that. That being said, I also know that San Francisco has a very dynamic run game. They've got several capable runners, and Shanahan, he's one of the best in the business at scheming up that run game. Absolutely, and uh, how do you feel about this line right now that the 49ers are favored by three and a half? I'll let you go first with this prediction Sunday. So I've been really torn on this because I feel like the Seahawks are going to come out ready to play. It is a primetime game. Pete Carroll's coach squads always play well under the lights, just as they did the first time these teams played in Santa Clara. I do have concerns with the injuries, though, and I'm making this prediction with the assumption that Quandre Diggs is not going to be able to play this weekend. He's still dealing with a high ankle sprain he suffered two weeks ago. I just have a feeling that if he's not really close to being ready, the Seahawks are not going to take the risk because they've already clinched a playoff spot. They need him in the playoffs to win games in January. So I'm making this prediction the assumption he won't play. Clowney's going to be in the lineup. They're going to have Marshawn Lynch. I think Shaquille Griffin will be back at corner. And I think it's going to be a very close game. But I actually, uh, Seahawks fans might not like this prediction, but Uh-oh. I think the 49ers win 30-27. to 27. I think it's a very close game. I think San Francisco, this time around though, they're going to get the field goal late in the fourth quarter and they're going to win. I, I just, I, I'm concerned the Seahawks are not going to be able to get enough defensive stops. I think Russell Wilson will play better than he did the last time these two teams played. I think it's going to be a back and forth affair. But I, I think without Quandre Diggs, he's been that important to their defense I just if they had digs I would go with Seattle winning at home but I just think it's that big of a deal maker if he's not out there if he can play and he's healthy then I think the Seahawks win this game but based on everything I'm hearing what I'm seeing I'd be surprised if he plays so I'm gonna go 30-27 San Francisco getting the road win and winning the NFC West what do you think about this matchup Brian? Yeah, I had it. I was one point off from your prediction. I have 31-27 49ers. I think the Seahawks are going to get the same 27 points they got last time, but the 49ers are going to be able to pull off an extra touchdown offensively, having George Kittle maybe hitting a big run or two uh, with that outside zone and the speed they have at running back and trying to take advantage of some of those injuries that the Seahawks have right now. And so, yeah, I've got it 49ers by four, 31-27. And it feels like if the Seahawks are going to win this game. It's going to end up being on the shoulders of Russell Wilson, and he's going to have to make some huge plays, and he's going to have to be um, you know, that guy that we've seen him before. So it's definitely not something that we haven't seen before. Can Russell Wilson be that thorn in the side on the 49ers again? But I've got the Niners in this one by four, so I guess uh, it, my advice would be give away those three and a half points, even though it doesn't feel like it should be a three and a half point line right now with these two teams in Seattle. 
I'll let Brian do all the gambling advice. I, I'm not an expert on gambling. So I'll let you make the uh, call on all the line stuff. But from a general score standpoint, I, I expect this is going to be a very tight ball game. And a lot of people are kind of sleeping on the Seahawks with the injuries they had. Have had. I think Seattle's going to come out ready to go. Uh, I just defensively, I just don't think right now, especially if Diggs can't play, uh, I'm concerned about that unit being able to get enough stops for the Seahawks to win the game. We'll just have to see. I think it's going to be an absolute absolute thriller. Going to be a perfect game for game number 256. Going to be the perfect game to end the NFL regular season on. And both teams are hoping that they'll earn a home playoff game. Otherwise, got to play in Philadelphia or Dallas. As always, Brian, it's been a pleasure to do the crossover show with you. Where can everybody find your work? Yeah, you can find my stuff at LockedOn49ers.com. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Corbin, always a pleasure chatting with you. And you know what? One more note. When it comes to the 49ers and Seahawks, those division matchups, you can throw out the records, throw out everything you think you know, sit down on the couch, have a fun time watching this game because it's going to be probably wilder than you could even uh, imagine. Yeah, there will be some things that aren't expected. You can guarantee it, especially in a game of this magnitude. I can't remember the last time that these two teams play. I mean, you'd have to go all the way back to the year the Super Bowl, uh, Seahawks won the Super Bowl, and they played that NFC title game. I mean, this is the most high-stakes game these two teams have played since then, easily the most high-stakes game they've played. So it's going to be a ton of fun at CenturyLink. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Locked on Seahawks at Locked underscore Seahawks. As always, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to, to our shows here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Enjoy the game this weekend, and thanks for listening.